The following content is provided to you as a ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a high adventure Christian wilderness camp in Andrews, North Carolina. Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through the exposition of Scripture and personal relationships in order to equip the church to impact this generation. For more information, visit our website at swoutfitters.com or follow us on Twitter using the handle at SnowbirdSwo. Enjoy the message. Hey ladies, it's such a blessing to be with you guys. Not guys, girls, how awesome is this? A room full of sweet ladies. Um, Man, what an honor it is to be with you this weekend. And I'm so thankful for the precious ladies that have a heart for you that put this on. We love the sweet families here at Snowbird and the incredible, man, was not worship amazing, that last song. How incredible was that? Um, And how God orchestrated that. And I'm so excited that we're talking about the steadfast love of God this weekend. And, you know, to me, it's good to highlight the fact that the love of God is very different than the love of man. And so I feel like a way that really shows that for us is with country music. (laughs) You know, I think it just takes a couple minutes of listening to country music or a couple titles to really highlight the range of love that humans can have. For example, here's a few titles that I found that literally don't make sense, and maybe you can laugh at them like I did. Um, But one of them is, if you were a fish, I'd throw you back. So that's really encouraging about a love, you know, and whoever you feel special about. Or Don Hicks' song, How Can I Miss You But You Won't Go Away. What? I don't even get that one. Or if the phone don't ring, baby, then you know it's me. Y'all, these are real titles. I don't know. I think maybe, like, my kid could write these songs, and we would be millionaires. Like, let's do this, right? Okay. Um, Or, (laughs) you're the reason our kids are so ugly. (gasps) That is so uplifting. Oh, my goodness, y'all. This is definitely not God's love. Okay. And then this one. How could you believe me when I said I loved you when you know I've been a liar all my life? First of all, that's a really long title of a song. Is that really a title? That seems like a whole song in itself. Um, but it's, it's funny to talk about that because the reality is those songs exist because we live in a broken world with bo- broken relationships um, where a lot of us, our expectation and the reality of our life collapsed. And we find ourselves with brokenness. And, and maybe that's you. Maybe you have a broken relationship. Maybe you have um, a marriage that has brokenness. Maybe you walk through pain in your life or loss. Or maybe your family doesn't look like you expect it to look like. Because the reality is we humans mess up. We mess up. We are sinful and we are broken. But there's a God who is faithful even in the midst of that. Um, And that's why we have these moments, to gather as women so that we can feast on the love of God and know the character of God. And not only fact that he is a God of love, but that his steadfast love endures forever. Man, and just, like, I feel like we could just read that passage and be like, thanks, that was a great week, and I hope you have an awesome day, (laughs) and walk away because of the power of those words. Um, In Psalms 66, 16, It says, come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he has done for my soul. And so today, I wanted to come and tell you what he has done for my soul. 
and tell you a little bit about my story. Um, I was raised in a Christian home and um, received the Lord at an early age. But in high school is really when God just arrested my heart for him. When some people took time to disciple me and teach me how to study the word of God. And I remember those moments where you're studying and I, as a 14-year-old, being like, has this always been here? Like the Bible that I've read my whole life, it's so living and active. And I had no idea that it had that power to change my life and that I could study it myself. And for someone to take the time to do that was life-changing, to teach me how to study the Word of God and how to get revelation from the Word of God myself. And so I was the girl that everyone made fun of because I was like, I am not dating around. I am waiting until God brings me this amazing godly man. And so people were like, oh, have fun waiting for Jesus. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm waiting for Jesus as one. <laughs> so you can make fun of me all you want, but this girl ain't settling. So people would tease me all the time about that. But I waited and prayed and trusted the Lord. And the Lord answered my prayer. And so in my 20s, God brought this amazing man of God, Patrick Price, into my life. He was every bit of um, tall, pale, and handsome um, at 6'5". And he was the kind of guy everyone loved, just like so much fun, um, always cracking jokes. And I am not like the most quick person in the world, and he was, so I really appreciated it. So we fell in love quickly, and I remember we stood at the altar together. And part of our vows was we said we promised to be faithful through life's pressures and through life's pleasures until Christ calls us home. And I think in your 20s, when you make, you know, those words and you say that, you don't exactly know all the pleasures God has for you. And you don't exactly know all the pressures that are ahead of you, but you want to do it together. And it was such a gift. And so six months after we got married, we got pregnant with our first little guy, and we had our kids back to back. So in the fall of 2015, I had three kids under the age of three. Y'all, man, we were crazy. And life kind of felt like whack-a-mole. Like you get one kid down for a nap, the next one pops up. You get the next one down, the next one wet the bed. You get the next one down, nap time's over. Where was the break? This is crazy. Um, but it was living my dream. I'd always dreamed of being a mom and being a wife. I mean, from like a little three-year-old, I'd be like pretending I had these little babies and talking to my husband on the phone because I always watched my mom do that. And so in many ways, I was living my dream. I was a little tired than I thought that dream would be because nobody kind of warns you that about, you know, mother life. Um, so I would text my husband often and be like, I'm just so thankful we got to do this together. And I remember one day um, my husband called me, and he never called me during the day. So I was like, hey, baby, like, what you doing calling me? And he said the computer systems went down at work, and so he was coming home early to help me put the kids down for bed, which brownie points, right? So he discipled a lot of young men, and so he was supposed to meet with one of the guys that evening, but instead he was like, I'll just meet him for coffee now, help you with the kids. So they met and talked about the usual purity, seeking the Lord, and at one point they were talking about the end times. And he said, man, we need to live in such a way as believers that we are prepared to meet the Lord whenever. And he said, man, I'm ready whenever God has for me in this life. And so he came, and he did daddy time like he usually did. And 
I don't know, like, this is so fun that we have a room full of girls so I can, like, talk about all this. But, you know, the, the moment when your kids are sleeping at night and it's been the craziest day and so you just go look at them because they look like angels when they're sleeping, right? And it's just really good for our hearts, you know? It may have been the craziest day, but you go see them sleeping and you're like, they're so cute, we can do another day, it's going to be fine. Um, we're going to make it. So anyways, he went and looked at them like usual and just saw how cute they were and got in bed. And I remember my husband just talking about the gift it was to have marriage. And um, I don't know about you, but in marriage, you do a lot together, right? There's a lot of mundane and being faithful with that. And not every night is like these like amazing firework conversations, but there's a lot of partnering together and doing life. And we did this and we did that. But then there's other times we have these moments where you think, man, I will never forget that. We were sharing so much together. And this was the night that I just kept thinking, I will never forget this conversation. My husband was in law enforcement, and the next day there was a huge life or death case in the state of Georgia. So as a result, we were talking about life or death. And I remember him getting choked up telling me, but if it weren't for Jesus, we all deserve death, but because of the gospel, we have eternal life. And tell me how grateful he was for the gift of the gospel. And we were talking about death and life and living for eternity. And we were like, man, we don't know how much longer our grandparents have to live. So we pulled out our calendars and we're like, we need to go visit them. So put it on our schedule, ready to go. And I remember going to sleep, um, just being so thankful um, for that time together and just remembering that. And so we woke up the next morning. And as you can imagine, not much sleep <laughs> with three kids. So we had a newborn, one-and-a-half-year-old, almost three-year-old at the time. And so I remember during the night, um, I was having some complications from birth from my last little guy who is nine, two-and-a-half. So, you know, you have complications with those big old babies. Um, so I was not supposed to be lifting a lot. And so I was lifting my toddlers during the night. And I remember just feeling a lot of pain and thinking, like, I need to tell my hubs, like, babe, you know, I probably shouldn't be lifting. The doctor told me I shouldn't. Maybe you can help out a little bit in the night. And the Holy Spirit said, Brittany, don't say that. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I argue with the Holy Spirit, and maybe that's not really great, but I'm just being real, okay? And I was like, but I mean, it's true. I need help. But I didn't say that. Instead, I said, babe, you look so hot in that suit, and I hope you have a great day. So he came over and prayed with me like he did every morning and said, I love you. And I said, I love you too, and I'll see you soon. And it was Tuesday morning, which is our Bible study day. So I got all my little people ready to go Bible study, dropped them off, and nobody cried, which was the first time ever. And maybe that's not a big deal to you, but you know, sometimes when I drop off my kids, it sounds like a murder scene at Bible study, which is really great. So when they, when they didn't cry, I was like, yes, we made it. Um, we got to this level in motherhood, like my kids didn't cry. So we um, got in our small group, and we sat around, and we were studying Revelation. And the question was, why do we study the book of prophecy anyways? And I said, for me, you know, I study it because it gives me confidence to trust God no matter what happens in our lives, knowing he's gone before us, and he knows what's going to go on. And so just moments after that, my phone rang, and like any good Bible study girl, I didn't answer my phone. But the second time it rang, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, answer it, it's Patrick. 
Um, so I answered it, and it was his boss on the other line, and he said, hey, Brittany, um, Patrick fell at work. We sent him to the hospital. Has he been sick or something? And I'm like, no, he's a perfectly healthy 30-year-old man. Like, I just saw him. He should be good. Um, I'll be right over there. And so it was storming like crazy in Atlanta that day. So they said, you know, you just stay where you are. We're going to come get you because we can put the lights on. You can get to the hospital, you know, a lot faster. And I'm like, great. Anything to get me to my man sooner? Like, let's do this thing. So I got like granola bars, things to read to him, water. I'm like, I know he is like making all these nurses crack up right now. Like, we're going to be ready to go. Probably he's like dehydrated. Who knows? So I waited in the rain for over an hour. And it turns out they sent four different vehicles, and three of them got in car accidents, which is crazy. Um, And one made it. And I remember as I was waiting, um, you know those times where the Lord is screaming something in your heart and your mind, and you can think of nothing else? That was that moment. Um, And we were talking with our kids about fear and the peace of God and trusting the Lord. And so we were talking about the verse, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. And it was as if that verse was screaming in my head. The peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. So I get in the vehicle with the law enforcement agents, and they said, I'm so sorry. I said, it's okay. You know, we can trust God. Like, let's just get there. So we had another hour to get there. And as you can imagine, I'm just like, get me to my man already. And so I remember we got out and the Lord just said, Brittany, remember this. Um, And so I remember seeing like a taxi driver, a homeless man, all these puddles, just weird details that you don't normally take in. And I ran as fast as I could um, into a hallway with people with sorrow written all over their faces. And, um, they sat me down, and they said, I'm so sorry, Brittany, but Patrick died. Um, his heart just stopped beating, and we don't know why. Ugh, and it's still, like, just so shocking and still hard to even say this um, because it's not just a story. It's my life. Um, but in that moment, um, I said, the Lord um, gives and takes away. He is so good. And I started to sing a song I hadn't thought of in so long. Um, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, help me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am alone. Through the storm, through the night, take my hand to the light. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on. And in that moment, at the age of 25, with three kids under three, I became a widow. And my babies became fatherless. Um, And we started this journey that I never imagined my life to be. Um, When you bury your best friend and your lover and the father of your babies, it's not just that person. It's like burying every dream and hope that I had for my life with him. And so walking through the days of grief and and telling my babies um, that their daddy died was one of the hardest moments. Um, And how do you tell them? Like the next day was my three-year-old's birthday, and we had all the birthday things planned. And so the night before his birthday, I'm sitting him down and telling him daddy died, and he's in heaven with Jesus, and he's not coming back. And um, God's going to be a father to you. He promises to be a father to the fatherless, and we're going to be okay. And that night... Um, my one-and-a-half-year-old just cried and cried for Daddy over and over again. Um, 
And you're like, God, how can I do this? Like, what is my life right now? So I remember just scooping him up in the dark and just crying over him and saying, God, like, why did you call us to this, to this suffering? It's okay to call me, but these babies, and just crying out to God, saying, God, this pain is too painful to be wasted, so don't waste it, God. This hurts too much. And I think when death happens, it makes you really think about life, because that night, I started thinking about every bit of our relationship, every bit of our marriage, parenting, and I can honestly say I had no regrets And I say that not because I'm not a sinner, because hi, my name is Brittany. I'm a big sinner, and I'm a mess express, y'all. And I have nothing together. But because we have a sovereign, gracious God who is so good to convict us when we are wrong with each other, when we're wrong in relationships, so that we can confess our sin and have a united, great relationship. And so I started to think that night of the Lord's goodness in the midst of our marriage and that there was no regrets. I started thinking about how gracious God was about my last words to my husband. Can you imagine how different that would have been that night if I was talking to him about my pain instead of talking about how hot he was and affirming him and telling him how I loved him? And so those last moments and those last words were such a gift from God that I didn't even know. That last night, just so many things that I was just like, Lord, you are so good. That in this way, in this calling, you've been good in the midst of pain. And so as I started walking through um, the months and the years of being a single mom, which was so crazy for me, like something I never imagined my life to be, um, and walking my babies through grief when they didn't understand. And I remember the first time um, they heard the garage door open, um, and they came running, and they said, Daddy, Daddy! And you're like, no, because kids don't understand um, it. And so when the reality set in for the kids, you know, we'd have nights where one would wake up crying and then they'd wake up the other one and I'm nursing the newborn and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. But in those nights and in those moments, the Lord met with us in a way that I cannot even express to you the goodness of God that we felt in the presence of God, and how good he was, and how the steadfast love of the Lord was good, and still as rich and precious as when I didn't have a husband, as when I did, as when I lost all of my earthly security and my comfort, and we were amidst this vulnerable place of not knowing what God had called for us, God was still the same good God there, and his character and who he was never changed. And I'm here to testify that when you walk through the fire of suffering and when God walks you through hard things, even though life may not feel good, God is still good. Even when our circumstances do not feel good, God is good. Because the reality is we all walk through pain in our lives and we all walk through suffering. But the difference is not if we'll walk through suffering, but how we will walk through suffering. That's the difference. How we steward the pain that we're given. And so... As we dive into a little bit of this, um, these are not just passages to me. Um, These are what God used to walk me through the valley of the shadow of death. And these mean so much to me. And I pray that as we dive in this together, that they will encourage your heart too. And so we are going to be talking about Lamentations 3. So I'm going to give you a second if you want to pull in that. Um, But Lamentations 3.19 
I'm gonna give y'all a couple seconds. <laughs> okay, and so Lamentations 3.19 says this. Remember my affliction and my wanderings in Wormwood and the Gal. My soul continually remembers it because it's talking about suffering. Like it just said, I continually remember it. And it, I am bowed down within me. But this, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord, he is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I will hope in him. I love that it says my soul continues in verse 20. My soul continually remembers it. It recalls it to mind. That might be a, a different version that you have. Recalls to mind. And that's interesting that it says recalls to mind. Because what that word recall tells us is that it was already there. Right? So when we're walking through something or a tragedy, whatever it may be, we are going to recall to mind what we have already learned. But we can't do that unless we're in God's word and we have it memorized for those times, right? So that I always say, you know, we need to know the word of God so that in the midst of suffering, he is a friend and not a stranger. So that his word is alive because you know what? Those moments when I was crying too hard to read the word of God, that God would bring back things that my mom sang over to me when I was five. Or a verse I memorized when I was 13, because the God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces the division of soul and spirit. And so God would recall that to mind. So it says, my soul continually remembers it in verse 20 and is bowed down within me. But this, this one thing, as he's going to say, I call to mind. And because I call this to mind, it says, and therefore I have hope that the steadfast love of God never ceases. And you know, that's kind of like a dual thing. It says, the steadfast love of God. So the steadfast, as you guys have learned this weekend, it's a continuation. It never stops. It never ceases. So it says, the steadfast, and then it says it never ceases. So it's like a double to remind you, it's not going anywhere. The steadfast love of God never ceases. And his mercies never come to end. And I want you to notice in verse 23 where it says mercies, not mercy. And when I read that, at first I didn't get that. When I kept reading it, I thought, man, isn't that a beautiful thing, that there's mercies of God, not just one mercy of God? God didn't just come to save us with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which praise the Lord, but because of Jesus, we would not be here. So he came to give us the mercy of God with salvation, but not just that, but the mercies of every day, of the mundane thing when we need it, the mercies of every single day that we have, and we don't even know that we have mercies. I, I have people that come up to me all the time, I'm like, I could never walk through what you walk, and I'm like, me either, <laughs> let me tell you, because God gives you mercies new every morning, and I, God, I didn't have the mercy to be a widow before I was a widow, I mean, two weeks before my husband died, I sat at coffee with a best friend, and I said, you know what my greatest fear is? Is losing my husband. And two weeks later, I was living it. Did God give me the grace for that? That No, but in the midst of what we're walking through, he gives the mercies. And it says, they are new every morning. And I don't know about you, but man, I'm so thankful they're new every morning. I need them. I need to be reminded that they're new every morning and that they never come to an end. 
And the mercy of God never comes to end. Salvation never comes to end. The way that he gives us new mercies every morning in the midst of the mundane, in the midst of the hard things, in the midst of the mountaintop, in the midst of the valley, there's mercies all continuation. And then it says the Lord in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, and therefore I will hope in him. Because God is our portion, we will find hope in him. And I think in the midst of walking through death, I found that Jesus was enough. Not a husband, not the comfort of this world, not the security of what my life would look like, but I found Jesus to be my portion, like it says. That Jesus was, would be enough, and I would find hope in that. And that gives us hope, just like it says in that passage, that he is my portion, and I says my soul. Because, you know, you don't need to just say it with your mouth. We need to believe it in our hearts and our soul and the deepest parts of our hearts that God truly is our portion, and he is our greatest satisfaction. And so I want to just share a couple points with you um, about experiencing the steadfast love of God. And there's so many ways that we can experience it. And um, this weekend, man, y'all have dove in the word, and it's been so rich and so precious about learning what the steadfast love of God is and seeing it in different passages. And so we're going to talk about experiencing the steadfast love of God. And the first way that we can experience it is through people. And that might surprise you that that's the first one on my list. But, man, walking through death, I experienced the steadfast love of God through people. I don't think I ever really understood the magnitude of what Scripture says that you're the hands and feet of Jesus until I walked through. And my kids would say, how is God going to be a father to us? How is God going to be a husband to you? And I would say, you know that meal that someone just dropped off? That was God being a husband to me. You know that playground in the backyard that you prayed for three months for a swing, and I thought I'd find something at a garage sale for $5 in my little finite faith, and then someone knocked on our door and said, hey, we felt like God told us to give you a play set. That's God being a daddy to you. That's God being a father. And so experiencing the love of God through his people, I remember on Mother's Day, I was bathing my babies all alone um, on Mother's Day, and I just remember crying out to God, God, do you still see me? It had been like a year, and I said, God, do you still see me? Can you show me in some way that you care for me in this moment, that you see me? Because I can't do this without you, God. I need you. God, show me. Just encourage my heart in some way. And, you know, just, you know, thinking I would experience like a little bit of comfort or laughter with my kids or something. Literally, y'all, a couple minutes after praying that, my doorbell rang on Mother's Day, mind you. So everyone's busy, okay, on these holidays. And... My friend who lives 45 minutes away and has five kids says, hi. I'm like, hey. (laughs) And she said, I know this sounds crazy, but about an hour ago, I felt like God said, get up and go to Brittany Price's house. You need to go help bathe the babies. And I'm looking at her going, wow, I'm literally bathing my babies. And I just prayed that prayer a couple minutes ago. But God had provided the answer to the prayer before I even cried out to it. And so we would see how God would be the hands and feet of Jesus to our family through his people. And I understand, you know, as I say that, there might be a lot of you 
that are looking at me going, I have never experienced the steadfast love of God through people. And if that's you, first of all, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that's your experience. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if we've pushed back God in some way or we've had a negative experience where we are not open to see and to be loved on by the body of Christ. Or maybe we have these walls up. But if that is you, let me just tell you, this weekend you are. This weekend you are. Because you know what this weekend is about? This is about you experiencing the steadfast love of God. And you know how we're here? Because people, the precious people that at Snowbird had a vision for you to come, to hear the word of God, to be encouraged, to gather as a group of women, to study the word of God, to study the steadfast love of God. And so you would experience the steadfast love of God. So if that is your experience, let me tell you, that's changing tonight. That is changing this weekend, that you would feel in a mighty way that God has up for you through his people, that you would experience his love and walk in that. And I'm so thankful for Snowbird. Are you guys just so thankful for this weekend and these people that have a heart for God and for the gospel? Man, what a gift. Thank you for amening, girl. Everyone should be amening. <laughs> Not everyone on one time, I'm shooken. Thank you. Thank you for my amens. Um, and so that is a big part of it, you know, is that God's people. And then the second one is through his presence. I don't even know how to describe the presence of God. I don't think it's humanly possible. Um, it's one of those things when you experience, there's just no words. Um, God's presence reaches a place that nothing else can. It comforts us in a way that nothing else can reach. Um, The magnitude is so much greater than we can even explain. It's a feeling of being seen and watched from the deepest places of our soul that nobody else knows that we're going through. It's those moments in the dark of night when you're crying on your pillow and nobody knows you're crying, yet you feel the Lord meeting with you saying, I've got you. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to carry you. It's the feeling like after my husband died that week, I told someone, I feel like taking off my shoes is this holy ground Um, because I should be drowning and I'm not. He won't let me drown. He's floating me on his presence. That's so thick. There's no denying that he is with us. That's the presence of God. And there can be no words that describe it. But I think often we can miss experiencing the love of God through his presence because of our perspective. Our perspective changes the way that we view his presence. Because so often we choose to have the perspective of looking at our pain, to look at that relationship, the problem, to look at that, ex- that thing that happened that one time that you can't move past, to look at that person, to look at these other people, whether it's jealousy, resentment, self-pity, whatever it may be, our perspective sometimes interferes with experiencing the presence of God. And it's just kind of like, you know, when it was storming crazy forever in Georgia, I told my kids, you know, we can look at this and say, wow, it's a day's lost of playing outside. Or we could say in California, this is a day of rescue. It's all how we view our storms. Or, you know, you think of what brings out growth, even in the world around us. What brings out beauty? Storms do. They grow things. 
you know, and, and they work in things. And so for us to have the perspective to say, God, in the midst of my storm, in the midst of whatever we're going through, may I have the lens of God's perspective to say, God, show me yourself. Show me your presence right here, right where I am. And as moms and as ladies, it can be hard in the midst of the mundane because when I am cleaning my house for the 50th time that day and someone threw up and the other person had an accident accidentally and you think, I have no idea how you do that again, um, and someone spilled something and someone's yelling, it can be hard in that moment to have the right perspective, right? And that's why these moments are so good for us to pull back from our everyday mundane and to feast on God's word and say, God, show us your goodness. Show us how to put the right lens on in the midst of the mundane. Because guess what? In the midst of scrubbing toilets, sometimes the presence of God is more alive to me then than I'm in a church service. Because it doesn't matter where we are, God can meet us where we are. And I was telling someone this week, I was like, yeah, you're probably going to think this is crazy. But, you know, most people when they're, you know, message prepping, I'm, you know, maybe they're at a coffee shop doing whatever. And I'm scrubbing toilets like, Lord, I'm scrubbing my heart, trying to empty out my heart and praying for all you ladies in the process. But in the midst of the mundane that we are called to, we can still experience God's love through his presence. When we ask God, God, give us your perspective in the midst of this. And, um. I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I feel like the Lord is leading me to do this, so I'm going to do it. Um, But, you know, this life that we're living is so short. And I think so many times we live for the here and now instead of the here and forever. We focus all of our time and energy on what we look like, what we're doing, what our family looks like, what our husband's doing. So much time and energy we put on the things done that don't last forever. When the reality is the things that do last forever, those are the unseen things. Those are the places of our hearts. Those are the seeds that you're planting that live beyond the grave because our legacy lives beyond the grave when we do things for eternity. And it talks about in scripture that our light momentary affliction produces an eternal weight of glory far beyond anything we could imagine. And sometimes we lose sight of that in the midst of the craziness. We forget that, God, we are living for eternity. This world is not my home. And, you know, it's kind of like a hotel. And um, has anyone been in a hotel? This would be audience participation, by the way. Anyone been in a hotel? Wow. Apparently the rest of you are in the car doing dry shampoo. You go. <gasps> um <laughs> But for me, with traveling, you know, you you travel and you go to a hotel. And I don't know about you, but when I travel all day, you know, mama's looking a little like Mufasa with my hair. It's just a little crazy, and you're just ready to take a shower. And so when you get to a hotel, you're, you're ready to take your shower, right? And so what do you do? You take off your shoes, and you put the flip-flops on because ain't nobody want to get any toe fungus in their life and because it's so comfortable to walk around in flip-flops, isn't it? So, and then you're taking a shower in your flip-flops, right? So you turn on the water and it may not be as hot as you normally get because you wouldn't want to scorch anyone and anyone sue anyone, but you're like, okay, whatever. Like, we're going to be clean. And then you get to the bar soap that smells like scrubbing bubbles because we love smelling like cleaning products. And you're like, okay, whatever, we're going to be clean. And then the shampoo bottles. Y'all, they're like this big. I'm like, that is enough for my bangs. And then the conditioner is like, 
half of that. You know, the conditioner is like, that's one piece of hair. Thank you. Like, mama's got a rat's nest. We really need some conditioner. So you take a shower, you get out of the shower, and then there's the towel. <laughs> um, that kind of feels like a cat tongue, you know? Like, <laughs> y'all, don't tell me you've never felt that. It's like, we don't need to exfoliate or anything after that. It's just doing the whole job for us. And so you get out of that, and you're like, you know what? It's fine. It's temporary. It's fine. It's a, it's a hotel. Like, I could do anything for a day. You know, you brew the coffee. It smells like motor oil, and you're like, okay, this is caffeine. This is caffeine. And then, you know, maybe I'm the only one that does this. This is so embarrassing to admit. Okay, but I'm going to do it because it's a room full of ladies. Okay, but you know that moment when you pull back the sheets, and you just think, I hope these are clean. <laughs> you know, and your mind starts thinking, and you think, I can't go there right now. No, it's clean. It's clean. Um, Or it feels like tissue paper, and you just wonder, like, is this going to tear if I move? I don't know. Um, So, you know, you're just like, I can do anything for a night, you know, but then when I get in my house, it's like, ah, you are home. All the germs are mine. Everything's mine. It's got my favorite coffee, all my food. You know the sheets are clean. Or at least sometimes, sometimes I like open the bed and I'm like, oh, there's a Lego right there or a Lego head. Why do those things get in the weirdest places? <laughs> I, was, I was opening my makeup bag the other day and this little head was staring at me. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. And then my kids stepped on it and they cried when they stepped on a Lego and I was like, ha, ha. Welcome to my life. Um, But anyways, but you know, you go in these hotels and you're like, we can do anything for a day, right? Because it's not meant to be forever. A hotel room is not where I live. That's not where I belong. So you know you can do anything. And is a hotel beautiful? Yes. Does it serve its purpose? Yes. We are so thankful. Oh, I'm so thankful for hotels and that I don't have to do dry shampoo in the back of a car every day. Sometimes we do. Um, But it's the same thing in this world. This world is a temporary place of dwelling. It was not meant forever. And we were not meant to be here forever. And we should not live like we should be here forever. If we go to this world for every comfort that we desire with our home, we will come up short and we will come up empty because that is not what it was called to be. That was not its design and that was not its purpose. Does it have beauty? Yes. Does it have joy? Yes. Does it have a purpose? Yes, there's a purpose in everything we walk through in this life. And we are here today. Every single one of you ladies are here because God's not finished with you and he's not done. There's a plan and a purpose for you. But we have to live in such a way that we live for eternity and we don't live for this temporary world. And that we find our comfort and joy in the presence of the living God. Because that's who has the comfort that lasts forever. That's who has the joy and the peace that lasts forever, is in the presence of the living God. And that's who changes us. And then the third thing I want to talk about today is through his promises. There's so much truth and richness in the word of God that brings us life. And we know God better by studying his word. Like weekends like this, when we're studying the character of God and we're opening up his word, that's how we know. And you know, it's good in the midst of what we're walking through, through his promises. And as we study scripture to to bring our wise to God, you know, even Jesus said, God, why have you forsaken me? 
And it was funny because I was talking about this this week to somebody, and they said, you know, we, he asked that because, not because he didn't know the answer because he's God, but because he was processing with his father. And we can do the same thing. As we open God's word and as we have our questions, we can offer it to God and say, God, why? Process it with your God because God can handle anything. He can handle, handle the angry moments, the soft moments, the worship moments. God can handle it all, and we are to go to him for all that. And we can find that in the promises of God's word. Um, and you know what? When we run the marathon of life, we can't run a marathon on a sip of water. Um, have you ever seen somebody run a marathon on no water? No. You drop dead or you're in the ambulance or something's going on because our bodies were not made for that. And the same thing for you and I. When we run this race called life, we have to go to the well that doesn't run dry continually, continually, because, you know, you can't just read a verse or hear a verse on Sunday and be like, oh man, I'm going to live in the presence of God all week, man. I'm going to be feasting on that word because I don't know about you, but I run into my sin like next step and need God's reminder and need his presence and need to run to him and say, God, I need you. God, show me in your promises, in your word that you are enough and to cling to him. You guys, as women, we go to so many other things for rest, whether it's social media. Yes, I just said it. So if I stepped on some toes, it's real, y'all, because so many times people try to find rest in things that don't last. And if we go say, you know, if I have an hour on Instagram and I feel so much better. No, I never do an hour on Instagram and be like, hello, I feel so much more godly. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm ready to take on another week with my crazy crew. No, but when we go to God's word and we say, God, I'm empty, fill me up. God will fill you up. And he says, run with endurance, fixing your eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of faith. That's Hebrews 13. For joy before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And it says, and lay aside every encumbrance, every sin that so easily entangles us so that we can run. And, and you know, we can't run by looking behind. I'm never going to get anywhere when I look behind or I look beside at everybody else. But man, when I fix my eyes, when I drink from the water of the well, we can run this thing with endurance, you guys. We can fix our eyes on Jesus and we can experience the love of God through the promises of his word. And I love Psalms 119. <clears throat> It's my favorite. It's the longest chapter of the Bible. Maybe that's my favorite. Um, but it is so encouraging. And if you have time tonight or if you are struggling with um, and just praying, God, give me a hunger and thirst for God's word, feast on Psalms 119. Every time, mark in your Bible, every time it says what God's word is, underline it. Make a list. Because in the first eight verses, you're going to say, wow, God's word is a counselor. God's word is a lamp to my feet. God's word is sweeter than anything I could experience. God's word is what speaks to me in the night. All of these things that God's word is. But the psalmist says in Psalms 119, I would have perished in my affliction if it wasn't for the word of God. And um, <clears throat> maybe I'm just unspiritual like this, but I was like, man, do you think he could be a little bit more dramatic? Like I would have perished in my affliction. Like that's, that's a little bit dramatic, David. Um, but I used to read that and think that. And then when I walked through sorrow, I'm just telling you guys, I would have perished in my affliction if it wasn't for the word of God and the hope in his promises. That spoke to us. And God says he wants a broken, contrite spirit before him. 
And he wants our whole hearts and to continually go for him. It says in the word of God, it says, those who find refuge and trust in God will never be put to shame. And so when we are broken, when we have those moments, when we lay it all before God and we say, God, I have nothing apart from you. God, bring me your promises. Show me your steadfast love for me today. And we open God's word. Guess what? He's going to meet with us because he always does, because his word doesn't return void. Our words do, but God's word doesn't. And that's the magnitude and the greatness of our God with um, his word. And so we, we want to, to focus on that. We want to focus on the facts of the promises he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he is close to the brokenhearted. That he is good and does only good. His love endures and forever. And I love that it says he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And the reward is more of himself. And that is such a gift. So we can see the steadfast of love of God through his promises. And then the fourth one is through his praise. As we meditate on God's word and his character, it brings forth praise. Oh my goodness, when we read his word, what does it do? Does it make us complain more or does it make us praise more? It makes us praise more. And we have to continually go for that. Psalms 118.26 says, You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will exalt you. Oh God, give thanks to you for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And we can experience the love of God even through praising him. And I remember... One day, it was, it was a couple months after my husband passed away, and I had my little newborn, and I was sitting in church by myself, and everyone's singing praise, you know, lifting their hands. And you know those moments when you're thinking, man, God, this is hard. Like, it's easy for them. They've got everything in life, like lifting your hands. Um, God, this is hard. I believe you're good, but it still hurts. It still hurts to hope. And I remember God whispering in my heart, give me a sacrifice of praise, even when it hurts. Praise me even though it hurts. And I remember with tears rolling down my cheeks, um, holding my baby and lifting my hands and proclaiming that God was good even when life wasn't good. And I had to continually do that all throughout this journey, and I continually have to do, because when I am fixing my eyes on worship, and I'm worshiping God, my focus is on Jesus and not on my problems. But when I am looking down to the grave, and when I'm looking at what I don't have, my focus is downward. My focus is only what I see. But when we lift our eyes to Jesus, who is the glory and the lifter of our head, who says, when you are overwhelmed, go to the rock that is higher than you. Who is, where does my help come from? The help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. And when we lift up our eyes and we worship him, it changes everything. When we praise God, our pain becomes lower and his magnitude and his glory and his purpose becomes even bigger. And God calls us in the midst of the praise. And I remember in the journey of singing through the pain, um, being like, God, what do you have for me? Why, why did you call me to this? God, how can you use me? Because we had all these dreams of doing marriage ministry. We had all these amazing dreams of having six kids in that farm table and, you know, all that fun stuff and homeschooling and being able to pour our hearts and our lives into these kids and disciple all these people. And here I am, a widow. How could, God, how can you use me? And I remember God saying, look at Ruth. Of all people, I decided to use Ruth. 
um, a broken widow to bring about Jesus. And he used broken people. And so in the midst of that, just praying, God, just use our brokenness. I have nothing but you, but God, use it, whatever I have. And so I began to share our story, not because I have anything figured out, but because I know the one that does. Not because I've been faithful, because I've been faithless, but I know the one that has been faithful. And I know that if he has carried me, he will carry you. And that's why we share his goodness. And that's why we share his story. That's why Revelation said we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That's why there's power in our stories. Because the same good guy that is lifting somebody up and carrying them through the storm is the same good guy that will lift you up in the storm too. So in the midst of sharing that, I was ministering to this family or doing the best I could in the midst of my brokenness, like, here's, here's some snacks, we're praying for you. And I met this widower who was living on the same family, and his wife had passed away from cancer um, a month before my husband had passed away, and they had two adopted kids. And God began to weave a second part of my story um, that I never would have imagined. Um, in building a love story, a chapter two, um, and so it will be two years in July that I got married to Daniel Brooker. Um, and they call us the Brooker Bunch because we're crazy and there's a lot of us. <laughs> um, and y'all, I thought I was tired with three kids. I am so tired with five kids. Um, their ages now are eight, seven, six, five, and almost four. Um, and in the midst of it, even though this is our second chapter, the things that I'm telling you that we have to focus on the love of God and the steadfast and continually preach the truth to ourselves, I still have to do it. Because you know what? I'm raising five kids now that have walked through trauma and death and grief and kids that were adopted that have layers so deep that I don't understand that I have to yield to God constantly and say, how do I show them the gospel in this? How do I love kids that push me away? And God has taught me so much about the goodness of God in the midst of it and what the gospel is and the love of God. And as we walk and, and learn a new marriage and still grieve and miss my other husband, like for crying out loud, my life is the weirdest thing. I'm like, hi, my name's Brittany. I'm in love with two people at the same time. <laughs> like, or, you know, you say like, oh, which husband? What? Who says which husband? I mean, it's like the craziest reality, but yet it's the reality of God and we can praise him through it. And so I don't know what your story is. And maybe you're stuck in the middle of, you know, God sent me my Daniel, but maybe you haven't gotten your Daniel or whatever that, that dream or hope is, but you're stuck in the middle of Daniel in a dilemma. You're stuck in the middle of dilemma. And maybe you find your place in the place of praise and praying and asking God for his provision. You're stuck in the middle of praise and his provision. Maybe you're in the midst of that today and you're saying, God, show me your steadfast love in the midst of the hurting, in the midst of the pain. God, show me what it looks like to know the character of the holy God who is so personal that has you here this weekend because he had a message for you. There's not a doubt in my mind that every single one of you that's here, God had something for you this weekend whether it's meeting someone, maybe it was a scripture verse, maybe the Lord spoke to you when you felt the wind across your face and you felt a joy that you haven't experienced in a long time. Maybe God was pulling you away 
from your circumstances long enough so you could just meditate on him and find rest in the God that always refreshes our souls when we go to him. Whatever it may be, God has you here for a reason. And in the midst of walking through anything you're going through in life, we can find the love of God. We can experience the love of God through his people, through his promises, through his perspective, and through praising God. And I can't think of a better way than this, to end this session than to praise the living God. And sometimes you're declaring it with a sacrifice of praise when it still hurts. And sometimes we're declaring it from a place of victory. And I don't know about you, but I am a place of brokenness still. I've walked through a lot of things, and God has used it to break me. And he's used um, blending a family and, and loving on kids to humble me in a way I can't even describe and show me how inadequate I am, but how adequate he is to hold us up when we feel like we should be drowning. And tonight, I want you to experience the presence of the living God in that way. I want you, as we stand and we sing, to praise the Lord from a place that you haven't done in a long time. Maybe that looks like kneeling at your chair. Maybe that looks like coming with your friend and say, you know what, I have some things I need to surrender to God. I have some places that I've built these walls up so I have not been able to experience the love of God in a real tangible way because I have these walls built up and I have some things that I've been holding on to that I need to release to God, that we need to give away because you know what, we can't take a hold of God when we take hold of everything else and we have our arms full of everything else. But when we release whatever we're holding on to and our arms are empty saying, God, fill me up. Fill my cup, God. Be my portion. Be my hope. Be my deliverer. Be the king of kings. Be my refuge. Be my shelter. God is all those things for us. He is the steadfast love of God that endures forever, and we can trust him. So let's pray together and just, and just think in these moments. God, show me. God, show me how to cling to you. God, show me your love. Father God, Lord, I just thank you for these ladies. I praise you for this night. I thank you that before the foundations of the world, Lord, that you wrote all of our stories, that there is no plan B in your eyes. Even when our life looks like plan B, we can trust that you are sovereign and that you are good. And no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God, we trust you, even when we don't understand. And God, we thank you that the steadfast love of God endures forever, that his mercies never end, that they are new every morning, God. God, we say, great is your faithfulness, not ours. And God, we confess the times that we have been faithless. And God, we worship you and thank you for being faithful when we haven't been. God, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for these beautiful ladies that you've brought. And God, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for your glory and for your power, God. We magnify and exalt your name together, Lord. And we praise and lift you high. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.